Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. My guest for this podcast is Brian Cox, who is currently a director within the SES. Also, Brian has an extensive military career going back 40 years and is a current colonel in the Army Reserve. Highlights in terms of his military career include joining as a trooper in 1980, driving Leopard tanks, working with the British Army on the Rhine in 1986, conducting operations on the Berlin Wall, and that would have been intriguing, Brian. Being attached to the British forces during the First Gulf War, 1991 to 1992. Also being the Commandant and Head of Corps of the Military Police in 2000. Being involved as the Australian National Commander in East Timor in 2005. And then operating as a Senior Defence Investigator in Afghanistan in 2010. Brian also has an extensive disaster management portfolio, as I've come to know very well, and makes a really big contribution to the way we go about emergency service delivery in Queensland. He has a range of academic qualifications, and so long I'm not going to go into it, and has been the recipient of several awards, and I'm going to call out one of those awards, which is the Conspicuous Service Cross, and any of our listeners out there with military background will understand that that is one of the very senior and high-level awards that our serving soldiers can actually be awarded with. Brian, it's great to have you today. And a couple of days ago, I when I mentioned that I'd like to do this with you, and I talked about how, for me, I see leaders every day who are grappling with leading in the grey, or leading in those moments where there's maybe there isn't clarity about rules and policy and the way we should go about things. Given your background, I suggest that you've had a bit of exposure to that those moments in the grey where things aren't always clear. So it's great to have you. And yeah, thanks, Andrew. Let's have a chat about that. So c- can you take me back right you know, early in your career and talk to that transition you would have made from a, a junior leader or maybe a soldier junior leader into a senior role mm. and how you became better in working or leading in the grey? Yeah, look, interesting topic, actually, Andrew, and I, and I appreciate uh, you inviting me here today to talk about it. I remember first joining as a trooper and going to a place called Kapuka for military training, and they drilled into you, literally, all the tactics, techniques as a junior soldier on how to maintain your weapon, how to dress, how to manage your equipment, how to even, on the parade ground, you know, techniques that were basically instinctive obedience. So you knew on the battlefield how to load a weapon uh, under duress, you know, where to put your uh, ammunition pouches. It was a left-hand pouch first you got the ammunition from, uh, where your water bottle was, where your bayonet was. So even at night time, you knew instinctively where those things were. And that becomes important because that's getting to know your troops and how things operate on the ground. You could equate that same thing to the basic training that we engender in our volunteers. Chainsaw operations, safety, where the oil is, where to maintain it, knowing when to sort of change that blade to make sure it's safe and you can operate with that. Now, people are very good. They're very technically good with that stuff. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But then it's the employment of that. So when you get beyond those basic skills that you need to operate and function as a member of a team, it's knowing how each member performs and those functions perform, you know, type of thing during an event. Now, I've been on military operations all across, you know, uh, the world, yeah. you know, and I've relied upon that basic knowledge of knowing what my team can do, how they can perform using those basic drills. That's not the grey. That's black and white. Yeah. That's got to be very clear. Above that, the, I'll call those things capabilities, chainsaw capabilities, weapon training capabilities, operating a tank is a capability, you know. Those basic functions and how it does perform is your basis for employing it in an event or an operation. This is where we enter the grey. So how they work depends on you as a leader positioning those people in terms of time, in terms of what other joint effects you need to have with them. So, for example, you never send a chainsaw team out by itself. You'll have a first aider, you know, qualified person. You'll have someone that's got another capability, such as a storm damage operator with them. You'll have an incident controller to help manage the resources they need, you know, to help food maintain them during that operation. They're all jigsaw pieces. They're all jigsaw pieces. So those jigsaw pieces which are drilled in and known, the black and the white, are then employed by the leader who works in the grey. And in any event, your best laid plans, you know, in that environment, you've planned for it, you've orchestrated, you've sent them in. We know what? That's one decision you make. But also the weather, the environment, the location, fatigue, all these things have a vote. I love that expression. Yeah, I heard this last week when we had the major operation occurring on Fraser. Yeah. So those people who have a vote or those systems or processes, and in the military I would always say the enemy has a vote on your plan. Yeah. Um, That's where you operate in the grey and your intuition, your knowledge, your experience comes into play. How How did you personally become better? at dealing in the grey as your career went along? Looking at my seniors, looking at my commanders above me, even my peers that I saw strength in the way they made decisions. When you were a junior, there was a lot more direction given to you on what to do, Yeah. Uh, very little on employment opportunities on how you want to yeah. <laughs> operate. Yeah. And I look at it as on, on the ground. On the ground, you're, you're part of a team, you're told to go left, you go left. You're told to go right, you go right. You don't want to be that, as, as the military adage says, the only person in step uh, <laughs> on the parade ground because yeah. you stick out and you become targeted. But yeah. the drill person in charge of that program will wield and move you as a capability to create an effect, you know, to take you into a position quickly, effectively to perform your mission or task. So as a leader... You know, one thing I've found is that I've looked up to my leaders and saying, how did they employ me? Was that a really good idea? Was that a a dumb idea? I found the most effective commanders were those that listened to the troops on the ground. And they got a perspective of the limitations or the individual capabilities, strengths, weaknesses of that team. And therefore, they could better employ that team by having 
additional support mechanisms put in place because they knew what the weaknesses were or they knew where the strengths were and they knew that they could rely on that team to spearhead that particular mission and they knew he or she would know the result you know, effectively on that. And I saw that employed so well. So listening to your people became so important. Understanding their limitations and their strengths the, the became better, very The better important. leaders, it appears, are able to listen better yeah. or listen to their people better or listen to what's being said. That seems to me to be a – it might even be an item of experience. Some people – have to learn how to listen. It's which uh, it's interesting in the the notion that, and I've done it myself. Where when you're sitting listening or interacting with someone, it might be a straightforward discussion. It might be a somewhat intense discussion. The trap is that we find ourselves thinking about how we're going to rebut what's being said. Have yeah, you seen that? I have. And have look, you d- have you done that? I have. I have. Yep. There, there have been times where I've been absolutely arrogant. And there are filters to listening, arrogance, rank, your appointment, your uh, ability to say, well, you know what, I can do this. Your ego. Your ego. Mm. These are all filters to being an effective leader. And for those that don't understand those filters, uh, they will increasingly distance themselves from the troops on the ground, from the people around them, and they'll increasingly become a, a less effective leader. Yeah. Understanding those filters, breaking them down. I mean, we are given the privilege of rank as a responsibility. Others see rank as an opportunity to go further rather than seeing it as a privilege for yeah. what they a- Ambition uh, can be a good thing. I've seen ambition yeah. or I see ambition in people where it's the objective, and that's concerning. It is, and, and leaders need to recognise that and call that out for those below them. Uh, in the military, you were given the, the, the terminology that your sole responsibility in life is to not only affect the mission, but to make yourself redundant. Train those below you to take over from yourself. Now, others see that as a threat. Uh, I don't. Uh, I want to train Well, it people. goes to the heart of legacy, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Because you're not going to be here for life. You're given this position and privilege for a very short period of time. Yeah. You know, and in that short period of time, you need to make a difference. It's going to be positive or negative. Your choice. Yeah. I'm just going to jump in here and, and given the topic context of the topic we're discussing, there's a great little quote here. And it's a gentleman by the name of Jeff Lindsay, who's a, he's a playwright and novelist. And he says that he thinks people understand things different when they get older. It's not a question of getting soft or seeing things in the gray areas instead of black and white. I really believe it's, I'm just understanding things different. Now, has that been part of the journey for you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I take more time now to to listen to those around me, to check myself about my thinking, uh, question it. Um, I, I often say sometimes that uh, I get more ideas now and more initiatives from the ground than I do for myself. You know, I, I don't come up with the ideas, but I find them and I can identify them. Yeah. What would be your advice to a developing or emerging leader on how to develop their ability to to lead in the grey? What would you say to them? Yeah, so what what I would say to them is take the opportunity to speak to both your peers and your seniors. Take the opportunity to have that discussion. You know, where do you see my strength? Where do you see my weaknesses? Learn more about yourself 
before you start to impose things on others. I had a great experience one day. I was determined just to be a soldier. That was it. A leader came to me, uh, a lieutenant, and that lieutenant pulled me aside and said, I'm not going to progress you as a soldier until you push yourself to become an officer. I didn't want to, but he mandated that because he could see more in me than I saw in myself. And I think that's important. Having that discussion with your senior, your superior, listening to them, be guided by. You may not like what you hear, but there may be more benefits than you realise by you know talking to them and listening to them. People don't like hearing about their weaknesses. It's very, it's very confronting. And it is extremely confronting. It's for me goes to the core of accepting that understanding your weaknesses and and I you know, I do advocate for uh, improved self-awareness being central to that journey for a person we're in violent agree- <laughs> agreement on this just in talking about the gray area the gray in leadership given your military background it's quite appropriate that I now share a Dwight D Eisenhower quote where he says People talk about the middle of the road as though it were unacceptable. Actually, all human problems, excepting morals, come into the grey areas. Things are not all black and white. There has to be compromises. And he says the middle of the road is all of the usable surface. And that's a great way a of you know, expressing that, that area that we need to get to. The extremes right and left are in the gutters. What's that quote say to you? It says to me quite clearly that a lot of people prefer to work in the black and white because it avoids decision-making. Yep. Simple as that. And, and promotes adherence to a set belief that maybe has become aged, maybe it's invalid now because that person may not have grown or yeah. may not have moved away from a belief they had a long time ago. And even referring to that quote, you can see that Eisenhower, when he said it, he you know, he pointed out that morals, certainly, and you can include ethics in this, are the things that should never change for an individual hmm. because they are at the centre of the way we operate well as humans, is my belief. I, I believe those morals, the, the basis of that decision-making... You know, are the foundation enablers. But you as a decision maker, your greatest challenge will be operating in the grey because you have to make a decision. There's no black and white. So in that, often comes conflict. As human beings, we don't like conflict. But good decision makers, good leaders, you know, often have to operate in that middle road because that's where conflict often is. It's the no man's lands of decision making. Yeah. And someone's got to make a decision. If you're in the black and white, that left and right of arc, as they say in the military, then that's easy. You know, you have to turn left, have to turn right. You know what? When you come to a wide junction you don't know, that's where decision-making sits. Is it ever going to be totally comfortable? Of course not. And I think part of the journey is you've got to accept that it's going to be uncomfortable. You know, live in the space. Don't shy from it. You know, engage. And this is where you need to look at others and how they manage this particular space. There are some people that are very good at it, you know, and they go through methodically saying, righto, where is the 
middle ground that's not in the left or in the right? What's the middle ground that would actually make it workable for all? You know, it, it's compromise, and I know that. People think compromise is the is the worst thing to do. Oh, you just compromised yourself. Well, actually, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because it shows that you can move from a pre preordained or predisposition. Yeah. Your preconceived ideas, your yep. preconceived notion of how it should happen, in that structure, you're not listening to others. You're not looking at the other perspective. It's the wearing the shoes of the fisherman. Take the time to look from an other's perspective. And if you still don't believe in compromising, well, I would argue that maybe leadership and decision-making is not your forte. Yeah, a very good perspective. Brian, the next phase or the final phase of this little chat we're having now sees this going into five set questions that I, I pose to each of my guests. The first question is, what do you wish you really understood? I think as a young person, what I would really like to understand is more about myself. You are bombarded with information and stuff it's through school. You're given a particular perspective by your parents. You're guided. Your, your hand is held for so many, many years. But there's literally you really know about yourself. You've got opinions and ideas, but you don't know what your strengths and weaknesses are. I believe the first time I really understood that was after I became a junior NCO in the military. You know, up until then, I was just being bombarded with, here's the information you need to do your job. But I didn't know that much about myself. I suppose in times of reflection, I would like to more so what who is Brian Cox and what does what skills does he bring and, and strengths does he bring to the table. Great answer, Brian. The second question is, what do you wish that other people understood about you? Uh, I think if people got the time to know me, to know what I bring to the table, my skills, uh, the, the knowledge I have, I wish they could uh, take the time to understand me. Uh, too often, uh, unfortunately, we're hindered by uniforms uh, uh, in this organisation. People see a uniform and they, they assume. They scream. Uniform yeah. scream is yeah. the expression I would use. And I'm yet to meet a person that if I've made an effort to get to know them, they've always been more interesting, more complex. Yeah. I start seeing how they can make a contribution in ways that I hadn't considered before. It's quite a interesting thing to actually go out of your way to understand someone a bit better. So I, I think we've got similar views on this. Third question is, what type of leader do you prefer? And, and that's a pretty broad question, but what type of leader do you prefer? One that listens. Yeah. Simple as that, just yeah. to listen. And, and listening, I don't mean just being quiet while I talk, but taking yeah. the time yeah. to understand my perspective to, to take the time to better understand, to ask those questions and, and to be honest with me. Yeah, listening to understand yes. is a way of expressing that in my view. Number four, in respect to your own leadership development, and you've had a pretty extensive leadership development over many years in different sectors and different industries, and knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to the younger version of yourself way <laughs> back then? Yeah, oh, well, I, I, that's a that's a good question. Uh, I I've got to admit, um, if I was to be given any further advice, is to to believe in myself. Yeah. I don't think I had the faith in myself, and I was very hard on the young Brian Cox. I was saying I was not good enough to do this, not good enough to do that. You know what? I had strengths I didn't realise I had, and it took 
senior leaders to bring that out and to say to me that, yeah, you can do these things. There's nothing like someone putting their hand on your shoulder. That That's right. Yeah. And saying, you can do it. The fifth and final question. If you had a magic wand, what's an ability you would give current leaders in our sector right now? I, I would seek them to understand the art of compromise as a positive, not a negative, and to look at ways that would benefit the community in their decision-making rather than self-interest or departmental interest or to organisational interest to look at the wider community benefit and the effect. I think we too often wear an appointment or a title and become silos of excellence. Yeah, and that's a, uh, an ongoing challenge that uh, remains in this sector and probably remains in you know, broader public and private sector. Private sector is a, you know, it's a different context, but certainly functioning teams is something that is important to us all. And uh, leaders who can work in the grey, mm. to go back to there, is a fundamental aspect to success. Brian, that brings us to the end. I... In reflecting, and it's interesting for me because I, when I either pick a subject or have a subject raised on what we can, uh, what something that we can work through in a podcast, I end up thinking about it and I end up thinking about it in ways I haven't thought about before. So, you know, one of the benefits of doing this podcast series is it's been actually good for me uh, in that I have to put my mind to things I haven't put to. And and that's something I'm always saying to leaders. I've got to a point now where I understand that the grey area, the place between black and white, that that's the place where life happens. And thank you, sir, for uh, spending time with me. Thank you for your service, both military and your current service within the SDS now. It's a pleasure serving with you, and I just appreciate that you've given me some of your time. The feeling's mutual. Thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.